the Hammerdown Racing Report. Welcome, race fans, to the Hammerdown Racing Report for Thursday, October 29th. Show number 154. Scott Hammer with you, along with Ron Miller, Jerry Keezer, coming at you live from our... Uh, see, there we are. We're really here. From the Hammerdown Racing Report home studios, uh, still working the whole COVID thing. Unable to get into our, our actual broadcast studio downtown in the uh, iHeart uh, Media Building. And it's looking so, more and more like we're going to be here for a while. It is kind of like I went and cleaned up my office the other day. So, I did find a science experiment in my fridge, which has been just, <laughs> it was weird. It was like a time capsule. My off, I went in my office on Wednesday, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and uh, my fridge has just been sitting there since uh, the beginning of March, and I opened it up, and there were some pretty interesting science experiments going on in there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Anyway, um, welcome to the Hammerdown Racing Report. We have a great show for you waiting in the wings here. We're going to be speaking with uh, Dr. Jerry Punch, which you may have seen him on ESPN covering NASCAR or twice. football, you know, whatever. Uh, he, he's been around. We're also uh, going to speak to uh, Dr. Don Bounce Ryder. Uh, sprint car owner, and apparently he does some uh, sprint car racing as well. And he's a very busy guy because he's also the director of the University of Tennessee Pride of the Southland Marching Band. And uh, it's not the University of Tennessee Marching Band. It's Pride of the Southland. Very important. Uh, and I, I, did, I did a little bit of research there. Uh, before we get to uh, both doctors, it, we got a very educated, uh, a very educated guest today. I'm very excited. I uh, got to th uh, thank our sponsors, Ryan Miller Race Cars. Uh, give them a call for all your race cars, parts, safety equipment, everything a racer needs. 734-856-7223. Big D's Pizza and Clyde. Mention the Hammerdown Racing Report. Save 10% off any order. And, uh, of course, Millstream Speedway. Speaking of Millstream Speedway, you definitely want to tune in to next week's show. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, bringing that track back to uh, life. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, Facebook, or millstreamspeedway.net uh, to be informed. They wanted to bring that track back this year, but uh, due to the COVID restrictions, uh, unable to do so. But uh, we'll have a big update next week, and we'll tell you about that uh, a little bit later. Uh, right now, though, let's welcome our guests, Dr. Uh, Don Bounce Ryder and Dr. Jerry Punch. Thanks uh, for joining us, guys. It's great to see you. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having us. Now, uh, I... So how do, how do you two know each other? Because I, I guess, uh, <laughs> wait, Don knows Jerry, and Don knows both Jerry's, actually. Jerry Punch and Jerry <laughs> yeah. Keezer. I'm a Keezer, and he kind of said this. How do, how do you, uh, you, Don Bounce Rider, know Jerry Punch? Well, I've known Jerry Keezer because I've been up in Ohio racing back at Waynesfield, also at Lima. I used to drive. I gave that up, and uh, now I just own and wrench my own sprint car team. And I got to correct you on something. You said you got highly educated folks. The first thing I, when I bought a sprint car, one of the, the owners who I've known a long time, Daryl Gaducci, that owned Jetstar Fuel and, and put Silver Crown, he called me up. He said, he said, hey, I thought you had a doctorate. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're the dumbest person I know to own a race car, and uh, I love it. But and then Dr. Punch, you know, we both live here in Knoxville, and uh, it's uh, we eat lunch together. Uh, last year, we had our 150th anniversary for the Pride of Southland Band. We're one of the oldest bands in the country, and he was the MC, 
And uh, we had a stellar uh, Lee Greenwood, who helps me out with racing, came over and performed. And uh, I mean, shoot, even Doc Severinsen was there. Believe it or not, he's 93 from the Johnny Carson show, and he still plays his trumpet. He inspires me like nothing. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of racers here. I mean, uh, when you guys watch NASCAR and you see the in-car cameras, a guy named Andy Jeffers, who's a good friend of ours, owns that company. Uh, I just got a text from him uh, while he was on the rain delays with the NASCAR. And then you may or may not know this, but uh, Trevor Bain actually owns a coffee shop here in town. So, oh, I, I mean, right. yeah. And uh, he and his wife run it. It's just north of Knoxville here. And uh, there's more racing here than you think. And I mean, Doc, uh, he can tell you why he moved to Knoxville. I'm here because of my job. Uh, you know, he's probably... Uh, has a better story than I do, but that's how I know these two. And uh, we just really enjoy our, our friendship. Yeah, we love, we love, I love living in Knoxville. My, my wife's family um, is, they're all from Iowa. Uh, and so uh, we were living in North Carolina, in Charlotte, and I was doing the NASCAR. I had, we had NASCAR every weekend. I would do Thursday night primetime college football. And then I would fly uh, as myself and Kirk Street, Lee Corso, and Mike Tarico, that was our broadcast team on Thursday nights. And then we would all red eye out. Mike Tarico would go do PGA golf, and Corso and Hershey would go do game day on Saturday, and I would go to the racetrack Friday. Normally I hosted qualifying uh, for our, our cup stuff on Friday, and then I did the uh, – back then the Bush Series race on Saturday. Then I was the pit reporter on Sunday because Bob Jenkins, our buddy Bob Jenkins, would step in and, and host the cup race until Bob had some back issues, and then I moved in the booth and – and did those races with uh, Benny Parsons and Ned Jarrett. But anyway, when when we lost NASCAR, when ESPN lost NASCAR, uh, I'd always told my wife, if we ever lose NASCAR and don't have to live in Charlotte, I'd be happy to move closer to your family. And all her family had relocated to Knoxville, Tennessee. So I was on a plane, a private plane to Hershey, Pennsylvania, to do a speech one night. And while we were taxiing out, I get a call from one of the executives at ESPN telling me that they thought we were going to lose the contract. It was going to go to NBC and Fox. Um, and, and so I hung up, I was, but my wife, knowing that she works within the wives networks at back in Charlotte, she already knew that. So she calls me as the plane's <laughs> taking off, says, guess where we're moving to <laughs> <laughs> because you're no longer doing NASCAR at the end of this year, you'll be doing college football and college basketball. So it's great to live in a college town so you can be involved with college and go down to the coaches offices and watch all the film. So I was going to miss racing, but I was going to be more involved with, with, um, with uh, college football, college basketball, and still do IndyCar. So that's why we've been here uh, since uh, about 2003, and uh, we love living in this town. Now, do you have a preference uh, on what sport you cover? I mean, I really I, – I love them all. I mean, normally when you do NASCAR, they start out in February in Daytona, and you get all the way up to August, you're ready for college football to start, although it's really hectic. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and on weeks where we, did, where we didn't have the NASCAR race, I would do a doubleheader in football Thursday night and Saturday night. Um, um, and then uh, I love IndyCar. I, I, did, uh, I did the Indianapolis 527 years. They tell me uh, that uh, no one has done more live Indy 500s than me, which means I'm old. Wow. Um, but, uh, <laughs> ABC, ABC Television did 54 Indianapolis 500s, and I did 27 of those. I think wow. Jack Root did like 21 and Paul Page did like 20 or so. Um, but uh, I was very blessed. Loved going, coming to Indianapolis, uh, doing that race. You know, growing up in the South as a stock car boy, I never really got the open wheel love and lure 
until I went up there in 1989. Um, and, and, uh, and, and Billy Vukovic took me as a tour in a garage area. And then, you know, and uh, it, it's just Bill Simpson, all the people that I got to know from NASCAR took me around and introduced me to people. And I'm walking down uh, Gasly through Gasoline Alley and I see the Penske door open. Uh, of course, Penske doors were always completely shut. No one could see inside. The Penske door opens up and out steps Rick Mears. And so I'm walking down. So I move over so I don't bump into Rick. And he moves over in front of me. I move back. He moves back. It's like we're dancing. Finally, we stop. And Rick says to me, Doc Punch, what are you doing here? And I laugh, realizing that, hey, you know, he, he, he knew who I was. And I, he said, I said, well, I'm going to do the Indy 500 this year. This is my first year doing Indy 500. He said, I just watched you guys in Talladega last Sunday. You called the Talladega race. I said, yeah, I did. He said, come on with me. We're going to go inside the Penske garage. We're going to sit down with Emerson Fittipaldi and Danny Sullivan. And we're going to all be talk. I want you to tell us about Talladega and NASCAR. And we'll tell you all you need to know about Indianapolis. So I felt like, hey, you know, how much better could that be than to get to go in the garage with those guys and be able to have uh, and get those guys to sort of teach me a little bit about about IndyCar racing. So fell in love with it and got a chance to do it a lot of years. Anyway, long story short, I live here in Knoxville um, and I feel very blessed to do what I've done. And then meeting, meeting Don here, getting a chance to go down and hear the incredible pride of the Southland band and be a part of what he's doing. He keeps trying to yank me to go do sprint car racing and I want to go, you know, smoke. Tony Stewart kept trying to take me. All these guys have been over the years. I never had time to go, but now I'm hoping that we get a weekend and we can take off and I can put a t-shirt on and, Pair of, pair of jeans and go up there and maybe do some uh, do some wrenching. Now, would you if if you did go to a, a sprint? So you haven't been to a sprint car race? Is that what you're saying? I've never, never in my life of all the races I've done, NASCAR, everything I've done over the years, IMSA, 24 hours, yeah, all the things I've called and been a part of. I have never seen a live sprint wow. car race. Ever. Well, we're yeah. going to change that. Yeah, never <laughs> Amen. Aurora, yeah, never Knoxville. Yeah. So I, I want to go. I mean, my buddy, my, I got to be such good friends with A.J. Foyt over the years, and A.J. would pick on me and say, you've got to come watch something. I, I said, hey, A.J., I'd love to come. I just can't. I'm leaving Thursday to go do this. you know. And and plus, I was trying to be a medical doctor and run an, I ran my own ER company in Florida. So you know that, that was pretty important. You can't be gone too much from that. But now that I've slowed down a little bit, at least I thought until college football came back now, um, uh, that uh, I would be able to have, go. I can't wait to go. I want to go. With Don, I, I mean, I've talked to people for years. You know, I remember, you know, doing, um, you know, doing Indy, you know, doing, you know, doing the race at Indy, and and uh, talking to people like Jack Hewitt, who came to qualify at Indy in 1998, and visiting with Jack all week, and Steve Kenzer, who came there twice and finally qualified in '97. Both of them ran well in the Indy 500. But you know, those guys said, "You got to come to a sprint car." Well, you know, I never got a chance to go, but maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday soon. <laughs> You know, one thing that's interesting I found out talking to Doc is that uh, he interviewed Hewitt right after he qualified for the Indy 500. And I saw Hewitt a couple weeks ago, and I could tell you tons of Hewitt stories because I, I raced with him for years. And, uh, yeah, Hewitt's law. Yeah, he kills me in that book. Uh, a little bit, but you, you, you did him right, though. You got a nice little piece in there where you talk about your relationship with Jack and, and growing oh, up yeah. with him. So that's really Well, cool. you know, it's kind of cool because when they wrote that book, they called myself and Kenny Schrader and Tony Stewart and a bunch of us, Parnelli Jones, uh, to, to, you know, give us their insight on Jack. And I just saw Jack a couple weeks ago. Nobody knew he was coming down here to Tennessee. Uh, he was the Grand Marshal when the Boss non-wing sprints were down here in Tennessee. 
And I'll tell you something, Hewitt and I have done so many crazy things. We stood there walking down memory lane and we started telling a story. And I'm going to tell you this quick story because it involves Parnelli Jones. So anyhow, Hewitt on a whim decided we're going to take this midget. It was a Wednesday night USAC midget race at Kokomo Speedway. Well, we didn't have a trailer and we didn't have anything to tow it with. I said, well, Jack, how are we going to get it up there? So we went over to our buddy, Bobby Sneed, who owned Team Fenner, had a gravel pit, and we measured a, go uh, a snowmobile trailer. And we put this midget on a snowmobile trailer sideways, and we had to borrow this piece of junk dually truck that you couldn't even get in the driver's side door because it was messed up, and it had no mirror on the left side. You had to get in the right side, slide over. So we go up there, and I said, Jack, are we even going to make it there? So we just have to make it. We are not worried about getting home. We just got to get to the racetrack. So, and that was the Hewitt way. So anyhow, we get up there, and we're pulling it. We stop and get our pit uh, credentials, and we pull in. I said, Jack, pull, because back then you didn't have a four-wheeler to shove it around the, the infield. I wanted to be up there because, you know, we're going to be up closer to the gate to get it in and out of the track. Oh, no. Hewitt sees Parnelli Jones over here with a big old rig, like a NASCAR IndyCar rig, and it's polished, American racing wheels. He had Paige and PJ there racing. And I mean that the competition was tough. Stan Fox, Rich Vogler, you name them. They had like 45 cars. Well, we pull in with this little tow rig of a snowmobile trailer and a piece of junk truck. And, and my, my toolbox that night was one of those green Tupperware totes like your mom carried clean materials in. That's all I had for wrenches. We had one spare left rear, one right rear. And what did Hewitt do? He went out there and he waxed them. And after the races, Jack's dad, Don Hewitt, he went with us. And he'd had a couple of celebratory cold ones. And he stood there and Parnelli, Page, and PJ walked over. We were pitted next to him. And they were all congratulating Jack. And Parnelli walks up there and Don Hewitt looks right at him. He says, well, Parnelli, it's a shame we weren't racing tow rigs tonight. You'd have won. <laughs> and Parnelli had the greatest comeback. He said, you know what? I think I'm going to sell this big thing and buy what you guys got. <laughs> and uh, there's young kids heard that story a couple weeks ago because they all think, you know, you have to have these big toter homes and big rigs. And I, Jack and I were talking about, you know, the old days where we had open trailers and a kid would see a race car going out. What great promotion that was and I, I kind of laughed because uh, 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 about a couple of months ago Luke Hall who drives for me I mean I have great drivers but Luke Hall came down here and we I took him to Arkansas and West Memphis and it was sad but West Memphis I mean that boy had him covered we started yes, six and on lap two was leading it and and he'd lapped up to like fifth place and we got taken out with four to go with the lap car and that same thing, Jerry, happened last year to us at Lima Land. We yes. had one, one there. Yep, he we thought for sure we were going to be interviewing on the front stretch that night. Just Well, and it's funny because Lee Greenwood, I've got to deal with him, and I told you about this. Lee Greenwood said, if you ever win, you know, call me, and I'll be a part of the interview. And I had him on speed dial. Like, I thought, we're going to win this thing. And, Lee's, and then finally, I never called him. And so then the next day, I get a text from Lee. He goes, what happened? And I said, you don't want to know. Uh, it was sickening, you know, when you have them like that. But, you know, I learned a long time ago in racing, uh, you, you have to have good equipment 
But by gosh, you better have a good driver. And I've been blessed. I mean, I only hire good drivers and I won't even go if I can't win. And I've had Jeff Swindell, uh, Dale Blaney was supposed to drive for me, but he got hurt. Uh, Cody Swanson. Uh, I've had Matt Westfall, uh, Luke Hall, obviously, Jimmy Stinson. And then I ran Jimmy's son last year up in Montpelier, Indiana, 17-year-old kid starting sixth in the feature. And Luke was on the outside front row, and I just told him before he went out, I said, look, just get on his rear bumper. He's going to be up on the cushion and follow him and then try to pass him. Well, Jimmy passed him like on – or I'm sorry, Kale passed him like on lap three, and we're running second. And he just got too aggressive and he got into the wall and messed up the Jacob's ladder and the rear shock. You know, it's uh, Doc Punch has been around a long time, you know, with racing and good drivers. I mean, I'm glad to see you guys saw what Kyle Larson did when he went back to sprint cars. I mean, he's that talented. And the first time he came to Eldora for the four crown and he won all three of them, I was standing there with Jack Hewitt and he said, that kid's a talent. And uh, he is. I'm glad that Rick Hendrick hired him and uh, give him uh, NASCAR's given him a second chance. But, you know, with this COVID-19 thing, and I know Dr. Punch has a lot of insight on this, you know, NASCAR's got to get their fans back. And I know they're going to run dirt at Bristol. But I will say this summer when I've been out racing sprint cars, those tracks have been standing room only. So we've just got to get back and get it going again. But, you know, Doc and I have talked a lot about you know, why NASCAR is kind of losing their fan base. And uh, it's a concern because that next generation isn't hooked on racing like we are. We got to right. get it back. So, Don, Doc, I, I had a question for you. Um, I, I watch a fair amount of Motor Trend TV, and uh, one of their promos talks about uh, uh, back in the day, they, uh, if, if you showed up with Petty and Pearson, you, you knew you were racing against the best. The racers coming up today, is that still the case? Oh, yeah. I think I think uh, that there's so much young talent in, in NASCAR uh, at every level. I mean, from the, the truck series, there, there's the young drivers there uh, are, are just, you know, Zane Smith, all these kids, these incredibly, you know, Brett Moffat, all these kids that are coming along there are, are just remarkably talented. And then, the, my goodness, the Xfinity series, you know what, what, what what's going on with Chase Briscoe? And Don is very close to that family. A lot, maybe a lot of you guys are. Couldn't be more. Couldn't be more thrilled for Chase and his dad Kevin. You know, and and, and their legacy uh, in racing. Um, you know, it, you know, you, you think about Austin Cendrick and all the young guys that come along. It's just amazing. So many, so much talent is there now. Back in the day, back when I did a show earlier, we taped the show, a NASCAR show that's going to air on Sirius XM. Uh, but we were talking about the 92 race when Jeff Gordon made his first start in Atlanta. And that was Richard Petty's last start. Uh, and Alan Kowicki won the championship that day. You think about how important that race was and all the people that have come in. And because people would go to a racetrack and they'd walk in Atlanta and say, okay, where's Pearson? That's right. He retired last year. Where's Kale? Oh, that's right. He's been gone about a year and a half. And they're thinking, well, wait a minute, Richard Petty's walking away today. What kind of, what's going to happen to our sport? Well, we had, we had a wall trip. We had an Earnhardt. You know, we had a Bill Elliott and a Jeff Gordon and all these guys came along and the sport was fine. And I think NASCAR right now, in my opinion, with Jim France at the helm and Jim is a racer's racer. You know, he loves racing. And I think his common sense down earth mentality working with now Roger Penske and open wheel. I expect to see 
They're going to already do a doubleheader at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course next year. I would not be surprised in 2021 to see with the new car that NASCAR is going to have out, the new Gen 7 car with all the added clearance. It's going to be so good to run on road courses. I wouldn't be surprised to see that car run on street courses with, uh, in conjunction with the Indy cars uh, at several tracks that are in the South. So uh, I think there's just so many good things that are happening in motorsports. And and, and the COVID, obviously, that you know, you know, NASCAR and motorsports, that was the first major league sport to be able to get back and compete. You know, NFL was trying, Major League Baseball was trying. They were having to go, go, you know, quarantine and, and put people in a bubble in Orlando. NASCAR worked out with the governors and the governors, you know, you, if they didn't, they, they didn't want you to race. They didn't respect you. They wouldn't allow you to race, but they were able to go double headers. And here's the best part about, about race. You guys know racers like I do and like, like bounce does, you know, they didn't, they didn't complain. There were other major league sports people were complaining about, well, how many games are we going to play? How much are we going to get paid? Now, these owners and drivers said, you need me to race twice a week, three times a week? Bring it on. We'll do that because that's might not be any fans there, but we'll race and TV will cover it and the fans can watch and we'll move on and we'll get events. Think about how hard that was. They sat down for 10 weeks and then they started racing again twice a week. And now they're just a couple of weeks away from a championship and they're on schedule. They got every race in in the regular season and their own schedule. And the schedule this year, finishing the, the the regular season finale at Daytona, finishing one of those segments of the of the of the championship playoffs at Bristol on the high banks of Bristol. How good is that? The Roval. Uh, I really think NASCAR has turned the corner with under under Jim France, and I think the cooperation between Jim France and NASCAR and Roger Penske, what IndyCar is doing, is going to really bring motorsports back to maybe where it was hopefully in the early 90s let me let me get both of your opinions uh don mentioned earlier about uh the bristol dirt race for the cup series first time the cup series race on dirt since uh 1970 uh what's uh what's your guys's opinion of you know the cup series going back to dirt i know that richard petty not so fond of it but what, what's your guys's opinion well i think it's great i think okay. it's great because uh you know, when the NASCAR trucks would run Eldora, I mean, they packed the house. And, uh, you know, I think the fans, uh, I think they've got to start thinking about the fan base. Now, it's hard to believe when you look at Bristol, and Jerry and I have talked about this, there was a time when there was a waiting list to get a ticket at Bristol. Yep. And if you want to go to race at Bristol, it cost you over $1,000 for the weekend. And they had people waiting in line to do that. Well, those days are done. I mean, I walked right up and you could buy a ticket for 25 bucks and go to Bristol Motor Speedway and choose your seat. And uh, it's kind of funny because some of you may or may not know this. And actually, Jerry was involved with this and I didn't know it at the time. But when they did the Battle of Bristol, where they actually tore down the infield and and University of Tennessee played Virginia Tech in the world's large college largest football game. Uh, he was the sideline reporter for that, and he can tell you that place was packed out. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. By well, I was on a, a, a conference call with the promoters of Bristol, and they were like, okay, well, this is like on the e – and Jerry, you can correct me. I think it was going to be like the eve of 9-11 anniversary. And they said, can you guys – can you and the Virginia Tech band do something to do bring patriotism back? I said, well, I think I've got that covered. I said, uh, my buddy Lee Greenwood's going to sing God Bless the USA. And they said, oh, my gosh. And they shot off fireworks. In fact, the guy that owns that fireworks company, he does them in New York City, Washington, D.C. 
And he said, you don't even know want to, want to know how much money Bristol Motor Speedway spent on fireworks. It was spectacular. And uh, it was memorable. I, I told uh, our athletic directors and such, I said, this was a life, once of a lifetime event, but let's keep it that way. I, it was really, uh, it was kind of a hassle to do. It was great. It was spectacular. But I think putting dirt back there, you guys may or may not remember, but you bet you remember they did dirt with the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. There. Oh, yeah, about 2000. And it was, it and was late models. Yes, and it was wicked fast. And so I don't know if these NASCAR teams will be able to hook them up because, you know, when you go to Eldor and watch the NASCAR trucks, they're, I mean, they're out there running like 20, second, 20 21, 22 second laps. And I, I remember talking to Chase Briscoe, and he said after driving a sprint car there, you, you feel like you're in almost reverse, you know, it's so slow. Speaking of Chase, uh, uh, it's probably about five years ago. I towed my, at that time I had a 305 sprint car and which I got started because Ray Everham started a group in North Carolina. He was driving and he wanted to bring sprint car races to, to the Charlotte area. Well, I bid in, I bought one. And then they started popping up all, you know, the race saver series started popping up. Well, anyhow, uh, Bloomington Speedway in Indiana was running a race. So I went, I towed up there by myself. Now, how dumb is that? If you get hurt or whatever, I tow up there and I had no pit crew. Well, who pulls in next to me, but my old buddy, Dick and, and Kevin Briscoe, who are Chase's dad and grandpa. And Kevin walked over to me and said, Hey, if you need some help, just tell Chase what you need. So how many people can say that you had a NASCAR driver as your pit crew? I thought that was pretty cool. Pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think um, the dirt on Bristol. I, I'm so excited. I think that's thinking outside the box. Um, you know, NASCAR schedule next year and making you know six road course races. I think that's cool because people love the road course races now. They've been very exciting. Going to Austin, going to Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, going to Road America, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. I, you know, running on the road course at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Let's face it, the Oval uh, was really not built for stock cars at Indy. At Indy, so. Uh, I think that race will be good. We be better than what we were seeing on the Oval. I mean, the Brickyard 400 was fabulous. I was there and did the first eight or 10 or 11 or whatever on ABC. But um, now I think that road course, especially the doubleheader on the IndyCar, is going to be great. But having dirt on Bristol, on the high banks of Bristol, I can't wait. I will bet, I'm going to predict that you may see some legends, some legendary dirt track drivers come out of retirement and uh, and get a ride or try to be able to race that event. I think you'll have them you'll have them packed in there trying to qualify. And I think it I think you'll have those lines back. By the way, uh, Don mentioned I was in the office of the promoter at Bristol, not before he sold it to Bruton Smith, with a promoter at Bristol, and he opened a booklet. It was sold out. He said, "I want to show you something." He had thirty thousand requests for tickets that couldn't get in at Bristol. That's how many people they had on a waiting list. He said, let me show you the waiting list. He said, I'll call, we'll call this lady here and just tell her, we're just checking to make sure she's still waiting. There were 30,000 ticket requests that they couldn't fill at Bristol. That's how it was the toughest ticket in all of NASCAR. Um, and, uh, and the night they did the football game up there, Bruton Smith, the year before that, we were at Texas at the end of the year, Bruton took us, took all the announcers to, to, to breakfast one morning at the track before the cup race. And he said, I am going to do that football game in Bristol next year. And he said, I'm going to do a big entertainment night the night before. I said, I, I'm thinking about, said somebody, somebody uh, said, why don't we get Kenny Chesney to come in and entertain the night before the game? And uh, Bruton said, ah, no, 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 I, I want Garth Brooks. And uh, 
And then he, then he called, pick up the phone. I mean, Bruton told us, so I picked up the phone. I called Jerry Caldwell, the promoter at Bristol, and said, just get them both. <laughs> just get them both. And we'll alternate sets. Well, that wasn't going to work, obviously, in the entertainment business. But ended up getting Kenny Chesney. And Kenny came in and set the big stage up and had a big concert the night before. Uh, oh, my, my gosh. What a special. 159,600 people, or whatever it was that football game talk about the big house or the horseshoe no those were that was the look they have the little house and the little horseshoe because bristol uh, set the record 159,000 fans for college football and i stood there and watched tennessee run on the pride of the southland marching band was behind me on the you know playing rocky to oh my gosh what a, what atmosphere what incredible atmosphere that that was and by the way they they had me put my fire suit on because i'd been there so many times doing races they said we're going to blend it both. So I did game day this morning. Game day was live there. And I go walking into the into the Home Depot little little truck for the trailer. And there's Dale Earnhardt Jr., who's our guest picker for the day. He's sitting there and walking. He said, what are you doing in your fire suit? I said, well, I'm going to wear my fire suit for a couple of segments on game day. I'm going to interview Richard Petty. And, uh, and Lee Corso and I are going to interview Richard Petty. And then I'm going to take it off after we do the opening of uh, for the football game and put on my, my shirt and tie again. But, hey. Special memories at Bristol, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Didn't you start Didn't off you start as a, uh, as backup, a uh, QB backup QB at, at NC State? NC State. I was. I was a backup to the backup to the backup. Um, you know, well, there are several was, backups uh, in there. I didn't realize yeah, there that. Several backups. I, 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 uh, I, I had a clipboard, and I did a really. My, my head coach was Lou Holtz, um, and uh, I had a clipboard. I did a really nice job of charting plays uh, for <laughs> Coach Holtz. Um, and I remember coach, coach hated fumbles. And one time we were in a scrimmage and our starting quarterback, uh, had, we ran the veer off and the triple option. He pitched it behind the, the pitch back and it was a fumble. So he pulled him out. He put the backup quarterback in backup quarterback, gave the ball off to the tailback and, uh, but he fumbled the handoff. And so he pulled him out. So he's looking around like that. I'm standing right beside him. He's looking around, looking, looking over my head, looking like this, see if he can find another quarterback. And I looked at him. And I sort of shrugged my shoulders. He said, all right, get in there. So uh, I go in, and and we call the play. Now, the triple option is supposed to be just that. It's supposed to be an option. It's supposed to read that you know what's happening with the defense and whether I give it or keep it. Well, I'd already made up my mind before I took the snap. I'm keeping the football. I'm going to show this guy, this Lou Holtz guy, you know, that, that, that I, I can play the position. So I, I pull it out of the fullback's belly. I go down the line of scrimmage, and I fake the pitch. And I keep it, and I turn up field, and I run about 11 yards. And I'm scooting it until I get chased out of bounds by the by the strong safety, and Holtz comes screaming down the sidelines. He's screaming, and, and I'm thinking, yeah, coach is going to come down and really tell me I did a great job. So he puts his arm around. I said, he said, he said, what are you doing, Punch? I said, well, coach, I said I just gained 11 yards. He said, yeah, but anybody with speed, you know, would have scored on that play. He said, you just ran 11. It's 11 yards. I said anybody else would have scored. And he put his arm around me, and he says it in a typical Lou Holtz fashion, really loud. He said, "Punch, it's not that you're slow; it's just you reach your maximum speed quicker than everybody else." <laughs> I thought it was a compliment at first, and I realized it really wasn't a compliment. He was telling me that I was slow, but that's okay. You know, I got my 11 yards, and and I got picked up my chart and went back to standing beside him again. But you know, and I actually broadcast the last game on ESPN. I broadcast as the last game he coached in college football before he retired. And at the end of the game, he won. He was in South Carolina. At the end of the game, we'd go out to midfield to do the interview. And I started to – I had this couple of questions to talk about his career and him and how, how special it was for all he had done in college football at, 
at NC State and Arkansas and Minnesota and the national championship at Notre Dame. Uh, before I could even say a word, he put his arm around me and, and hijacked the interview, as only Lou Holtz could do, to tell me and to thank me for playing for him years ago and being a part. He said, the first time I saw you run a play as a quarterback, I knew you'd be a really good doctor someday. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, that was that was my background. I was a backup to the backup to the backup. But it, you've done some uh, short track some, uh, racing, short track racing, racing as, well. as well. I did. I did. I, I uh, my, We called him uncle. My uncle was Bobby Isaac, a uh, NASCAR champion. He really wasn't. He was adopted into uh, my uh, my other uncle's family. Uh, when he was young and he uh, so I grew up going to the racetrack being around Bobby Isaac and that's how I got to know David Pearson and and Harry Hyde and all those guys when they had the K&K insurance cards and all those land records but but I would uh, and then we had we had cars late model cars we built for Isaac to run in the back well then it was late model sportsman later became the Bush series and I had a second car that I drove Uh, they were Banjo Matthews built cars so uh, and, and then if Mike, if Isaac had trouble with his car, I would give him, he would get in mine and, and, and race it. In my first year of medical school, um, when I went to Wake Forest in med school, obviously I wasn't going to have much time to race. Isaac called, uh, called my uncle junior and said, Hey, do you mind if, uh, my nickname was doc back then anyway, too. So do you mind if we take doc's car and run it at Charlotte? Cause I'm going to run one, but I've got a buddy of mine, Jim Vandiver, uh, was a NASCAR driver back then. Jim needs a, needs a ride for the big sportsman race at Charlotte. So we loaned him my car, and Jim flipped it end over end about four or five times in the race and destroyed it, which is probably the best thing that happened to me because I didn't focus on racing; I focused on med school, and uh, and uh, that. But I did uh, I did drive, you know, off and on some, and and uh, I remember I ran a big race at Hickory one night, and sort of like like Don, I didn't have much of a pit crew because all my all everybody, no one thought we were going to race, so they all my buddies all went to the beach. I had one guy and me pulled the car to Hickory, so we're going to go up there see if we can make it make the field. It was a huge national championship race drivers that come in from all over the country and i had i had a 60 69 chevelle and i pulled it in and i had and i backed out of the to go practice and i cut a brake line and i didn't have any parts and there was a shiny big truck parked beside me i'd never seen this kid before and it was a beautiful truck and rig and and i went over to him and i said hey you i couldn't buy a brake line from you could he said i got tons of parts here he just handed me one we started talking got to be friends and I remember looking at the side of his car and I said, boy, what kind of name is that? It was a big old long name above the door. And the sponsor was Vita Fresh Orange Juice. It was Tony Bettenhausen. And I'm thinking to myself, how about that? And, and then later, years later, when I started doing the Indy racing as a broadcaster and Tony was up there as a, as a car owner, we, we laughed about it. I said, remember that? Day? Yeah, he said, that was you. I said, yeah, that was you and that was me. And uh, he said, you never did pay me for that brake line. I said, All right, you know what? I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But uh, anyway, yeah, we've had some fun over the years racing. So how did you get into uh, the broadcasting deal? And what's what's like the craziest thing that that's happened when you've been uh, doing the pit road reporting or, or in the booth? Oh gosh, there's so many so many things have happened um, uh, over the years. Uh, gosh, it's hard to say. Broadcasting. Um, uh, I was I mean, in Ned Jarrett, isn't it? Ned Jarrett kind of got your start. Yeah, Ned. Ned was Ned was my Ned was a promoter at Hickory Speedway. And I would go up there when I wasn't racing, didn't have money to race. And when I went to med school, didn't have a car. Uh, Hickory was an hour from where I was at Wake Forest. So on Saturday night, they told you to take some mental health time. So you didn't get just, you didn't just crash uh, mentally. So I would get in my car and drive to Hickory. And I got paid $15 to go up there and sit beside Ned in the tower. Ned was the announcer. 
I sat beside him and ran all the, 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 the caution lights and sort of did some scoring. He had two scores beside us. And then one night, Ned had, was actually being inducted into the National Motorsports Press Association Hall of Fame in Darlington. He wasn't going to be there. And he had hired an announcer, Barney Hall, to fill in for him because it was ladies' night, packed house. And bar- so Ned's at Darlington. And we've got people everywhere at Hickory Speedway and drivers are coming all over and it's just jam packed. And Ned is getting ready to go up on the stage about 630 at Darlington. And he's walking up the stage and looks over and there sits Barney Hall. And he said, Ned said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at Hickory. And Barney said, I am like that. And so it was a mix up. So there was nobody to do the PA announcing. Ned's youngest son, a kid by the name of Dale Jarrett comes running up the steps into the tower. And he says, and Dale was really shy back then. He's a little bit different now. He said, I'm not going to talk. And so he said, you've been sitting there listening to dad all these years. You do it. So I picked up the microphone and I did the show that night on PA. Ned gets back the next week and apparently got some decent feedback from people. And he said, why am I killing my voice every Saturday night and then going to do racing on radio, MRN and, and universal racing on Sunday when I could have you share the show with me. Maybe you could go do radio with us. And that's really how it started. Gotcha. Very it, cool. What's what's you, you, you have, oh, go ahead, go ahead Jerry. Scott. <laughs> Dr. Punch, I, I one of the stories that I, we had talked about, me and Bounce talked about earlier this week, this gentleman that's on the screen behind me sitting next to you, Rusty Wallace. You had a very interesting uh, rush with him actually saving his life, as I understand. Well, ago. yeah, Rusty, Rusty was practicing at Bristol. He and Dale Earnhardt were the only two practicing. It was late Friday afternoon. We had the bush race Friday night and the cup race the next night. And so I was actually standing on pit road in the middle of pit road, interviewing uh, Rick Mast, uh, taping an interview with Rick Mast mm-hmm. that we're going to air that night. And uh, I, I heard, I heard suddenly I heard a car, I heard a big crunch and, uh, and it got quiet. I'm thinking how do you, when you get quiet at a short track like that, you worry. Yep. And I looked up and I saw I saw Rusty's car spiraling in the air like a punt, nose first. And he had, he had, his right front tire had, had leaned so much, you know, that it, the ball joint cut it coming out of turn four. He hit the end of the, of the concrete pit wall where the grandstands went up and it launched the car straight up. It came down and then rolled and rolled and came to rest with the front of the car up on the pit wall and the back of the car on the track, but the front of the top of the car was crushed. So I'm only like 10 feet away. Of course, I'm an ER doc, trauma doc during the week. So I run over there and uh, and I'm trying to get the rusty. And then the roof is pushed down, the window nuts pushed down, and, and I can't get the window net off. But I can see his head is slumped over. He's got blood out of both sides of his mouth. He's not breathing. His fire suit's not moving. He's not breathing. So the other only other driver on the racetrack that time was Earnhardt. And he, he screams it to a stop. Try, he's trying to get in the passenger side window. And I'm screaming to Dale. I said, You got to get this roof off. He's not breathing. NASCAR's director of competition, Dick Beatty, comes out. And I, so I, I reached my fingers in through the window as hard as I could to, to be able to grab Rusty's chin, try to pull it forward to get some kind of an airway. As I just get a hold of his chin and pull it forward, I see his, his fire suit just move a little bit where he took part of a breath. But I knew he also had bleeding inside, so I need to be able to suction him out and get to him. So Beatty takes his Winston Cup official's hat off, holds it over my face, they're sawing the roof while I'm trying to hold Rusty's jaw. Earnhardt's basically standing in the windshield, and uh, we get to Rusty. Uh, we get him suctioned out. He starts breathing. We get him, lift him up with a backboard, put him in an ambulance, and get him out of there. And, and uh, of course, I can't leave. We're getting ready to do, to do qualifying about an hour later. Rusty goes to the hospital. While he's in the hospital, Rusty calls back to the track that night. They patch him through to the TV truck, and uh, he tells our producers, hey, tell Dr. Punch, 
I'm watching qualifying. I'm at the hospital. I'm fine. But boy, he looks terrible. He's got all this soot and dirt and all this, all these flecks of paint all over his face because I was all sweating when they were chopping, cutting the roof off. He said, but I'm going to be fine. And, uh, and that was good news. And the, be- and the best part of the story is once we knew Rusty was going to be okay, Earnhardt comes down pit road to me about an hour later, walks right up to my face and says, you know, you saved Rusty Wallace's life tonight. Why would you do that? Why would anyone do that? Like that. And I, and I laughed. I said, yeah, right. I said, you, you, you and I both know he's a buddy of ours. And we, and, and how to, you know, and to think about that years later, I would be, end up standing beside Rusty in a broadcast booth at ESPN calling, calling NASCAR races. So how cool was that? Wow. Well, I know you guys uh, have to get going here. I want to get uh, your opinions, though, uh, on just a couple more things. Uh, the new Tony Stewart SRX Superstar Series uh, that's starting next year. Uh, what's uh, what's both your guys' opinions on, on that that new series and some of the big names well, th- that they got? It's kind of like, uh, what was that series it's called IROC. years ago? Yeah, IROC. Yeah. You know, Tony's, uh, uh, now that Tony owns a racetrack and he's got a race team, I think he thinks like a promoter a little bit more even though he still loves to get behind the wheel. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I have a funny story to tell you about Tony Stewart. Uh, years and years ago, I went with Hewitt to DeCoin, and it, we had raced a Friday night, at, uh, no, Saturday night Eldor, Sunday night Millstream. He'd won both of those. We'd go on Monday, Labor Day, to DeCoin, and I'm there with Hewitt, and he was driving for Bob Hampshire out of Finley. Well, anyhow, uh, pitted next to us was a good friend of mine and he was by himself trying to wrench. And there was this young kid driving and I walked over and his name was Jack Steck. And I said, Jack, you need some help. And he's very particular as some mechanics are like, won't let anybody else touch the car, but he trusted me because I'd been around him. So I started helping him and you know, again, we had no four wheelers. So we shoved the car up there by hand and the driver's helping me shove the car and Steck was pulling his battery cart. And we get up there, and, he, and the driver fires it up, goes out to qualify, and I look over to Jack Steck. I said, who is this kid driving for you? Never heard of him. said, some kid named Tony Stewart. And Stewart ran fifth that day, and Hewitt won it. And I'll never forget it. After the races, all the fans came down there to Hampshire's trailer, and Jack was signing autographs, and Tony was standing there right there with us. And Hewitt said, you guys better get his autograph. He's going to be big time someday and the fans blew it off and walked away i bet they regret that now yeah. uh, but tony actually bought that car i found out you know he has it in his collection that he bought that car which jack steck built and the neat thing about where i grew up near troy ohio racing uh dirt track racing you know right there right now you know steck lived right there there was a d- guy named doug trost he wrenched usac Back in the day, uh, like Rich Vogler, you, you you know, you drive uptown to his gas station, there's Rich Vogler in there. Or, you know, Gary Bentonhausen drove for him. I mean, he had a lot of big names, and Hewitt drove for him. But now I, I've been watching his son, uh, or actually his grandson, little boy, uh, Dylan Trost, and I saw that he just won a national karting championship. So I love that, that, you know, looking at, we got some future, like Dr. Punch said, we got some kids coming. Uh, it's kind of sad though, cause I had Luke Hall down here and we shouldn't have done it. I'd probably get a fine for it, but I live in Knoxville, but I have a, I live on a street with cul-de-sac. We actually fired my sprint car up in the neighborhood and it was rattling all the windows. Labor neighbor lady came out, thought it was thundering. Uh, 
But there were little kids on their bike, and we both noticed they'd ride their bike by and wouldn't even stop. Now, I know most of us as gearheads, as kids, if there's a sprint car sitting there loping, well, you're going to get off your bicycle and you, you want to go see it. But I guess I'm a gearhead and, and they were they were just going to ride their bikes. But, you know, I, I, I think Tony's got a good idea. I don't know how Dr. Punch feels about it, but I think he's just trying. I think he's just trying. Yeah, I think he and Ray Everham, I like the idea. It's going to be on CBS, uh, going to be uh, going to have great television coverage. And um, you, in, I did all I did the International Race of Champions. I did the IROC races. I was a pit reporter. I only had one pit reporter all those years. When you, you know, the legends in, in IndyCar and Formula One, whatever that were there, uh, NASCAR. And Steve Kinzer. Yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, you name it, uh, they were there. And so, uh, and then I called the races um, on IROC for a number of years. So I think having having these legends, having these uh, guys come back and race on different kinds of tracks, you know, uh, short tracks, dirt, you know, asphalt, whatever, would be so cool. Uh, someone someone called me and said, wouldn't it be cool to have an announcer who called these guys yeah. races in their prime <laughs> yeah. do, doing that series? I said, well, you know what? I'll have to have Smoke or, or Ray Everham give me a call. I, I think yeah. that would be fun. But that wouldn't be against your contract with ESPN, would it? Yeah, well, I mean that. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't. I don't have. I'm yeah, the ESPN thing is. Uh, I'm still doing games, but I don't, I'm not full time. Full time with ESPN anymore for 33 okay. years. So I could do it. You know, okay. it's a great part that I would love to do it. I have friends that I even. I, I guess it's okay to say I even had a guy from CBS send me a text and hey, you know, this is right down your alley, Doc, because you did all those IROC races. Because this guy used to be at ABC years ago. He said, and now we're going to have this series with Tony uh, and Ray. Wouldn't it be cool for you to be involved? And I said, hey, I would love that because he's got Bobby Labonte. These guys, I was there. You know, I called Bobby's races. I was there and he won the championship on the stage with him as I was with many of these guys. So um, anyway, yeah, it, I think it's a great series. I think it's going uh, to have some growing pains. But I think that uh, we got Ray Everham involved and Tony involved. You know, their heart's in it. And uh, they love they love the fact that you're able to get all these. And who wouldn't want to see some of these legendary drivers get back on the racetrack again and compete? Uh, it should be a lot of fun. All right. I have to say this, but for you two Jerry's and you guys that are announcers, but back in the early, I've been the late 80s probably, Bert Emick and the All-Star Circuit of Champions, he and Jack Hewitt promoted a race at Whitewater, Indiana. And Hewitt comes up to me and he says, you're going to be the announcer. I said, I'm no announcer. He said, go, you're going to go be the announcer. I said, Jack, I've never done it before. He says, hey, it's easy. Just get up there, hold the mic, and run your mouth. And so that, that's – Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I got say my that. start. Yeah, I think it's how we all I resemble did. that remark, yeah. <laughs> all right, last question for you guys. Uh, who's uh, who's going to come away with the Cup Series championship this year? Go ahead, Doc, first. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, <laughs> not to put you on the spot cow. yeah i i it, i don't i tell you you know all year it's been harvick and hamblin and uh and right, right now i mean it's uh and and denny hamlin's not much above the cut point you know so wouldn't that be something if he didn't make it after martinsville uh kevin harvick's hard to beat uh, he's just hard to beat you know Stuart haas racing you know he's got a little bit of earnhardt in him a little bit of tony stewart in him he's cantankerous he's tough he can drive anything and he he he's uh and when it comes to Phoenix, he's good. Back in the days when he was running, uh, back running, you know, in the what was then the old Winston West, anything he drove at Phoenix, he he was a contender. He either win it or finish second or third. So I can't bet against Kevin Harvick uh, at Phoenix. Uh, although Joey Logano won there in the spring, but there wasn't a championship on the line. I think Kevin Harvick's going to be hard to beat. 
I vote for Harvick too. I think he's going to have, I think right now smokes teams got it together. And, and I think I can't wait for Chase Briscoe to join in. I think that's a great addition, not just because I've known his family for 40 some years or so, but I mean, Chase is a great kid. I keep telling doc all the time. He needs to meet Chase. I mean, I mean, he, he's a great kid. And I, I think Tony did a great thing. I think in many ways, Tony, you know, because uh, Chase grew up right near where Tony did. And I think this is kind of like bringing it back home. And I like the fact that Smoke gives back like that yeah. and hasn't forgotten his roots of sprint car. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's great. So I kind of think Harvick's got him covered. That's my vote. I agree with you guys. I concur. <laughs> I think Harvick, Harvick's going to be very, very tough to beat. He's, he has been all year. He, he's been the guy that's had ice water in his veins basically all year, right there every time. And, even struggling yeah. at Texas, I think he'll yeah. he'll turn it around. He has a way to but come through at the end. But Logano kept him behind him. Yeah. Now, Jerry, if uh, this is Jerry Keezer, if if I can drag Doctor Punch up to Lima, if they ever get a race up there again, which UNOH owns that, right. you need to throw him on the microphone and just let him talk. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. You guys come to Lima Land. I, absolutely, we'll get you in the tower. I would love to see get dr punch to see a sprint car race well i want to i want to get him to eldor for sure i think absolutely he, he needs to go to eldor tony's done a wonderful job of i mean that's probably the most beautiful facility in the country and uh i i want him to see it i mean uh, i'm gonna well, i think to... i think we'll get the hook in his lip we'll, we'll get him to a lot of tracks maybe even get him over to knoxville one of these the, the real knoxville for us sprint car guys well oh, we live man. in the real Denial knoxville one. that's the west one <laughs> But I, I I even gave him a hard time about getting him over here in my race shop and get some grease under his fingernails and get him to turn in wrenches. So I'm going to get him out here. I, I, I'm going to get that done. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you, you coming on. It's been great talking to you, uh, Dr. Yeah. Don Bounce Rider and Dr. Jerry Punch. Uh, you, I mean, you've always been an idol. I mean, growing up watching NASCAR, seeing you doing all the pit reporting, everything. It's great to actually talk to you guys. It's great to be on the, the Hammerdown Racing Report with you guys. Thanks for having us. I appreciate you uh, opening up the mics tonight. Let us just uh, reminisce a little bit and tell some stories. And hopefully we'll see you guys at the racetrack soon in Indy or, or at Lima or so one of those tracks up yeah. there. Maybe we'll all be at a sprint car race one night. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, be awesome. Thanks, for, awesome. thanks for having us on. And, uh, I mean, the thing of it is, got to understand, Jerry Punch and I, when we go to lunch, I'll tell my secretary, hey, I'm going to go have lunch with Jerry Punch. She says, well, I, I won't see you for three and a half hours. Because <laughs> we get to, I mean, we get to telling stories. And it's so funny because our paths, even though they've been on different roads, but I mean, like, who in the world has never ate at Junior Johnson's when Flossie cooked for you? I mean, Flossie was his first wife. And you want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about uh, Cracker Barrel on steroids? I mean, she could make chicken and dumplings. I mean, Junior was a salt of the earth, and I drove J.W. Hunt. You guys may have heard of his name before. But Mr. Hunt had a Grand National car, and Jack Ingram drove it, and Banjo Matthews. So we went down to, to see those guys. Jack lived in Asheville, and then we went over to see Junior, and they, you know, it was just to sit in that shop. And then Junior started showing us all those ways he cheated. And I think that's what's missing from NASCAR, too, is the innovation and the cheating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was innovative what he was showing us. I mean, he said, well, what you had to do was make a couple of obvious ones where they thought, ah, we got you. And they, they had three more planted that they couldn't find. So I, I think that's what the, uh, if you talk to those old timers, 
they they love the cheating. But again, thanks for having us on, Jerry Keiser. Thanks for getting us on here. And thank and you, Bounce, for coming. It's, it's Scott been Ron. Me. Thanks. Good to hear from you. Yes, thank you. And uh, this is the first time I believe we've had a movie star on because Jerry Punch was in uh, Days of Thunder. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. actually went out to dinner with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Believe it or not, we we got so much. I got so many questions here. I mean, we could have gone on for hours. So maybe we'll have to this try and have you back been, on. I mean, I could have got into some Hewitt stories. That yeah. I mean, we could have been on this show between Doc and I for four hours. Hey, come Absolutely. January, come January, we're trying to fill some uh, some gaps since there's not much racing going. So maybe we can have you guys back on. Well, we'll check it out. All right. Thanks again. Uh, Thanks. Thank Appreciate you very much. Thanks. Bye, guys. Thank you. Later, Thank guys. you. Thank you. There you go. Dr. Jerry Punch, Dr. Don Bounce Rider. Awesome, uh, awesome conversation with those guys. Uh, very def- cool. Definitely a lot of stories there between uh, both of them. Uh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall, uh, you know, at, at one of their uh, lunch meetings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, and uh, let's make this happen with the uh, SRX series. Uh, uh, talk to Tony and get, uh, or CBS or whoever's making that call for uh, Dr. Punch there. to be the. Yeah, yeah, I think Dr. Punch already has his hand up. You think so? You think so? Yep, I'm, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. <laughs> uh, we still got a lot to cover here. Uh, show's not over yet. We, we're going to give away uh, Big D's Pizza with how many. We'll uh, figure out who the winner was last week. Got a lot of racing news to uh, get to. We've already talked a little bit about some of the Kyle Larson news. Uh, before we do that, though, a uh, little bit of action this past weekend. How about that racing roundup, Jerry Keezer? All right, racing roundup from this past week. The World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink sprint, sprint cars were in action at Kokomo Speedway last Saturday night. Let me tell you what, if you didn't watch this race, you missed one of the best ones of the year. Sheldon Hoddenshield, Donnie Schatz, Logan Schuhart putting on a whale of a battle uh, with Sheldon coming out on top. He started on the pole, took the lead for the first few laps. Donnie Schatz got back by him, and then Sheldon up on the top side put on a clinic. And then those three drivers will be the ones in contention for the championship on Saturday, November 6th, and Friday and Saturday, November 6th and 7th at Charlotte for the last call for then wrap up the championship. Those three are right there together. It's anybody's race still. And NASCAR action, Harrison Burton passed Noah Gregson in the final, final corner to win Saturday's O'Reilly Auto Parts 300 Xfinity Series race at Texas. Sheldon Creed drove to a win in Sunday's Gander RV and Outdoor, Outdoor Speedy Cash.com 400 in the Truck Series race. Creed, another one who's been, actually uh, raced around our area in many sprints when he was a little bit younger. Sheldon Creed's another up-and-comer looking, looking really good, going to be fun to watch for years to come. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series was in action Sunday and then red flag due to mist and then postponed to Monday and rain postponed it to Tuesday and postponed it to Wednesday. So it was Groundhog Day this weekend for the Cup Series, but Kyle Busch was able to extend his streak to 16 consecutive years with a win after taking the checkered flag in that event. Next up for NASCAR, Martinsville for all three series. The trucks will be racing in the NASCAR Hall of Fame 200 on Friday the 30th at 8 p.m., on FS1. Xfinity Series will be in action in the Draft Top 250 on Saturday on Halloween on NBC and the Cup Series on Sunday for the Xfinity 500 on NBC and Buckeye Country 103.7. Uh, wrapping up the racing roundup was the, will be the IndyCar Series with Joseph Newgarden doing everything he could to try to get past Scott Dixon in the championship race by winning the race, but Scott Dixon was able to finish third and hold on to enough points to 
get his sixth NTT IndyCar Series championship. Now he is one of only two drivers with at least six championships. The only one in front of him is Mr. A.J. Foyt with seven. So going to be interesting to see how many more Scott can pick up before his career is over because he's still looking awful strong. Next up for the IndyCar Series will be their season opener right back at St. Petersburg, where they just finished up at. That'll be on March 7th, 2021. So check that out where whatever TV outlet they're on at that point. With that, and that'll do it for the racing roundup this week. Last I knew, NBC had that contract. I don't know if that still continues next know. year. I'm not 100% sure either. That's why I, I put that Check disclaimer out there. Listings. Check your local listings. Check your local listings. So uh, the fifth annual Gateway Dirt Nationals, I know this is uh, pretty disappointing. We were talking to Ryan Unzicker a few weeks back, yeah. and he was hoping to get an invite uh, to uh, this year's deal. But uh, the fifth annual Gateway Dirt Nationals has been postponed to December. Basically, it's been canceled for this year. Well, I guess it technically would be postponed to uh, – well, it wouldn't be annual, would it? Well, I don't know. I'm so confused on well, this. It's not happening like this the, year. It's happening December 2021. That'll be the fifth annual, even though it's annual minus one. I guess there's a little, this year just gets an asterisk for everything. It's just like having a rained out event. Like, you know, the yeah. birthday races had a, been beaten by rain once or twice, okay. hasn't it? I think once. Just once. But, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, no Gateway Dirt Nationals this year. That sucks. The uh, event management and Dome officials could not develop a plan that St. Louis health officials would approve. Uh, to allow the event to take place as originally scheduled. All tickets, suites, uh, driver res- registrations, and everything will roll over to the 2021 event, which is scheduled for December 2nd through the 4th of uh, 2021. Uh, sad news, Dirt Late Model veteran uh, Jackie Boggs died uh, at age of 50. The Kentucky driver's last race was October 16th and 17th through the 40th Dirt Track World Championship at Portsmouth Raceway Park. Uh, Bog entered uh, racing to follow the tire tracks of his late father, National Dirt Late Model Hall of Famer Jack Boggs. The younger Boggs, a three-time winner with the World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series and a uh, three-time winner with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series. He also earned 11 triumphs with the Mid-Atlantic Championship Series and four with the Stars Dirt Late Model Tour as well. Uh, Kyle Larson news. If uh, you don't want to hear about Kyle Larson, we've got about three things here to cover. Uh, tune out for about a minute or two. We'll come right back. Uh, Kyle Larson confirmed a Friday afternoon that his World of Outlaw NAS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series. Sprint cars, sometimes my typos that just amuse me. I don't know if you noticed that I've NAST. Anyway, and I kind of. Anyways, uh, the. He's uh, confirmed Friday afternoon that the Kyle Larson Racing World of Outlaw NAS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series team is going to close its doors following uh, the uh, last call at the dirt track at Charlotte coming up, uh, was it, not, not, not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, that's after seven full seasons in World of Outlaw competition. Larson will continue to drive the Silva Motorsports number 57 when his schedule permits. So far this year... He has uh, won a measly 47 races in 82 starts on the dirt. He's over 50% of a race. There's a better than 50% chance anytime he starts that he's going to win a race on dirt. Probably, That's amazing. Probably yeah. a good idea for Hendricks Motorsports to officially announce the other day that they have signed driver Kyle Larson. 
to a multi-year contract that will see him join the uh, multi-time NASCAR Monster Cup Championship team starting next year. Larson's going to pilot the number five Chevrolet Camaro. We had mentioned the speculation about that uh, last week or the week before, so that has now been confirmed. He will be in the number five, uh, which Hendrick Motorsports uh, will field for the first time since 2017. In uh, 2021, Car- Larson will be paired with uh, crew chief Cliff Daniels, who currently uh, leads the number 48 Hendrick Motorsports team for Jimmy Johnson. So, not too shabby there. Uh, one other Kyle Larson note here. Uh, he's running he's running out of series uh, to win in. So, he's going to be making his World of Outlaw Dirt Late Model Series debut during the last call event of the dirt track at Charlotte November 4th and 5th. He will compete in both the World of Outlaw Sprints and the Late Models that weekend. It's uh, not his first trek in a uh, late model. Of course, uh, you may recall that he was in Lucas Oil Late Model competition at Port Royal, finishing fifth in his first race and then winning the weekend finale over Brandon Brandon Shepard. So, the, the kid's good. Drive. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, what are, what are your guys' expectations once he's back in uh, at the cup level? Do you think he's going to still be riding this uh, wave, or is he going to kind of hit a wall of you know better I don't competition? Think, I don't think he's going to dominate, but uh, I, I believe he's going to be a factor every every time they unload. I mean, he's got decent uh, equipment with, with Hendricks, right? That, and that's just it. With Ganassi, he didn't have the equipment that he's going to have next year, and he's proven that he what he can do with subpar equipment – What's he going to do behind the, the wheel of a Hendrick car? Yeah, Tyler Gunn finished 10th Saturday night at Atomic Speedway to wrap up the Fast Series Championship. Uh, Tyler Gunn, we had him on the show a year or two ago. Very nice uh, gentleman. Cole Duncan yeah. was the winner of uh, that race at Atomic Speedway. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing announced Saturday afternoon that Jimmy Johnson's rookie season in the NTT IndyCar Series We'll have him running 12 street and road course races. Didn't I report this last week? I feel like I'm I'm having deja vu here. I don't know, maybe. Well, just in case I didn't and you missed last week's show, he's going to be running uh, 12 street and road course races in 2021 in the number 48 Honda-powered Carvana IndyCar. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Maybe I didn't. No, I deleted everything from last week. So that's, that's fresh news. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. will once again compete in the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series. He's going to do that one race deal again next season. He's uh, got Unilever as a sponsor, and that's part of that deal. The team has not announced which race it is going to be as of yet. Wouldn't it be cool to see him on the dirt there? I'm assuming is the Xfinity Series going to run on the dirt too, or is it just the Cup Series? Do you guys know? Well, I've, I've got to believe all three series will. But... Yeah, I would think, because they already have a dirt package for the trucks. Yeah. This remains to be seen. We'll find out. And uh, finally, World of Outlaws and uh, Dirt Car officials have decided to cancel all banquets for 2020. This includes the banquets for the World of Outlaws NAS Energy Drink Sprint Series, World of Outlaws Morton Buildings Late Model Series, Super Dirt Car Series, Dirt Car Summer Nationals, and Summit Racing Equipment Modified Nationals, uh, Dirt Car Northeast, Hoosier Tire Weekly Racing, and all other dirt car divisions. So no banquets there. Just mail the checks. You go. That's it. Did uh, we see the uh, Fast Series news that went along with their championship wrap-up? Uh, I missed. Uh, what do do tell? 
Uh, they will be running at Atomic Speedway on the Thursday before Memorial Day with the second highest paying sprint car race in uh, Ohio, $20,000 to win for the KC Classic. Oh. And that will be fast sanctioned. So very exciting news for Aaron Fry and all the folks with the Fast Series. Wow, no, I did not hear that. Is that breaking news? That No, that went out with the press release from uh, the, the weekend's race. Oh. Um, Aaron sent that out. It was something they, they announced during during the uh, <laughs> I wanted to, I, at the end, end of Saturday's race. There you go. And that, again, will be called the KC Classic. 20,000 to win. So that's going to be very exciting for them. And then the Boss Series, which is also ran by Aaron Fry, has up their series purse for 2021. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, yeah. for their regular series events, will now pay $2,000 to win. So Didn't I see the – oh, it's 5000 to win for the championship. That's what that – 5000 Right. I remember reading that too. Uh, let's play how many chance to win a Big D's pizza. Uh, we'll start off with uh, last week's how many. Last week uh, we kind of veered out of racing. We're going to bring it back into racing. Last week's how many was how many points will be scored in Sunday's Browns Bengals game? That was this past weekend. Total points. Total points ended up being seventy-one between the two teams. Thirty-seven, thirty-four, I believe, was the final. I was the winner because I picked sixty-three. That was even low. Um, everybody else guessed lower. Our online winner, uh, Ron, you may know this guy. Uh, his name's Steve Miller. Really? Yeah, he picked 64. He was the uh, highest right. guest of our online winners. So uh, we're going to go back to uh, to a racing-related how many this week for a chance to win a Big D's pizza. This week's how many? How many? Why is Karina Belcher saying you're awful? Ron. Oh, well, awful well, quiet. Oh, quiet. She meant quiet. I, <laughs> no. The E and the T switched kind of changes the meaning of that. I was a little confused. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't be reading our uh, Facebook comments as uh, I'm doing this. How many caution flags at Martinsville for the cup race on Sunday? Everything's still remaining on schedule as originally planned, even with the, uh, the cup race at Texas just finishing up last night. So that's, uh, that's the how many for this week. If you want to play for your chance to win a Big D's Pizza, go ahead and put your guess in our uh, Facebook Live comments. And I'm making a rule change for our Facebook Live uh, guesses. You can guess the same number as someone else. You don't have to be first with it. So say like uh, I see Brian Hammer and John Young have both guessed 11. Say 11 is the uh, correct number of cautions. We'll just do a random. We're going to use that little spinny wheel that uh, Chrissy used last week, and do a random drawing out of the correct guess, guesses. So, oh, cool! So if somebody else guessed, and you're listening to us. I figured this way it'd help out our uh, iHeartRadio listeners that may be listening later on, uh, and have to come back and find this to put their guess in. Then they're like, "Oh, all the good guesses are taken." So now you have a chance. So uh, since I won last week, I guess I have to choose first, don't I? All right. Has has Hammer already done his homework on uh, I did how not. many cautions there were the last couple I of races? I did not. I did not do any homework on this at all, so I have all no right. idea. All right. I'm going to say I have absolutely no clue. I'm just I'm kind of stalling here looking at some of these other guesses uh, online, <laughs> trying to get an idea. 13 seems pretty popular. I'm going with 13. What do you got, Ron? 15. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be a slugfest. Okay. I'm thinking it's going to be a little worse than that. I'm going 17. Yeah, you could be right, Jer. Should Martinsville late in the season? It's, it's a it's a payback. Yes, 
at the final uh, or one of the elimination races. So yeah, it's, I got a feeling that we're going to see a little bit of rough driving this weekend. Well, for your sake, I hope so for, well, <laughs> you don't win anything, but uh, again, yeah. if you want to play online, just put your guess in the Facebook live comments anytime up until uh, what time's the race time. You already mentioned it, and I had uh, two, two, two o'clock. So we'll say uh, noon, noon on uh, Sunday. So you got plenty of time. There you go. That's a, that's a, that's all I got for this week. Really? That's all yeah. you got? That's all I that's got. That's all I got. Yeah. It was uh, very enjoyable speaking with uh, Dr. Jerry Punch. And that was very cool. I, that was. I'm glad we was able to get make that happen and and be a part of it. And they like to talk. I wish well, yeah, we need long. We need more time with them so that we can get all the. Like I said, I had I had like forty more questions. Oh, I agree. I and, and the same here, and the same. You know, like Bounce says, he has so many stories from traveling with Hewitt for years. I, I mean, it's we'll yeah. have to have them on individually. Could we, could we put all of those, could we put all of those uh, Hewitt stories on the show? No, no. <laughs> well, the, the the ones that we could put on the show, I promise, are in here. But Jack already said that he, he saved you know the 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 ones that are not safe for radio until after he's gone. He then, then another book will come out. So, okay. <laughs> so this weekend, are you racing Jerry? No, I, I wish I w- was going to be able to, I'm going to try to get over and watch. I'm hoping, um, just depends on what, what happens as far as weather and things like that. I actually started a new job this week. So I'm been, been a little busy. Yeah, I says see every announcer likes to talk. I don't know. What All she's I hear about. is her when I'm up there, so I don't know what she's I, talking about. Whoa! <laughs> shots fired! I don't want to be in the middle of that one. <laughs> Too bad. You're going to be. You sit right between us. You ought to be on the other end of the receiver, Jerry. Yeah, there you go. Oh, no, I, no, I hear what's what's coming out. <laughs> so I plan to uh, race the Monster Mash at uh, Montpelier. It's the first time I've been able to do it in... Well, since my son was running cross country, and he re- finally retired after last season, Aww. so I was always because he always did good, and he ran late in the season, so I could never, you know, it was kind of a choice: do I go racing or do I watch my son? I got to, I got to pick the kid. Got to go watch him race. So he's not racing this year, so I'm going to go and get the car out to uh, Montpelier for the first time since uh, 2015. It's been a, it's been a while. It's been a minute, so. Looking forward to that myself. Next week on the show, we got a lot going on. Next week starts our uh, championships, uh, championship programs, uh, where we're featuring uh, the local track champions. And we're going to start off with Attica Raceway Park with Cap Henry. Devin Shields will be joining us. And, and I'm not sure how much of the teaser I want to give. I don't think I've even told Jerry about this. Do you know the uh, the big announcement that's going on next week? Uh, I may know a little more than you think. Okay. Well, good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> that's, that's all I'll say. It's, clo- it's closer a... to your area. Yeah, I know I, nothing. I have an email I have to reply to immediately after we're done oh. here tonight, as a matter of fact, regarding that. Oh. Okay. So. Well, should we announce who the other guests are going to be, or would that give it away too much? I'm, gonna, I'm not sure how I, much. I think that you... gives it away, but I just, I think maybe that if you're someone who's interested in seeing... Uh, ah, yeah. Tune in next week, folks. Yes, It'll be I good. agree. We promise. I, I, I can't, I can't drop it. But make sure you tune in next week. It's going to be a surprise, and it's going to be awesome. Hey, 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 hey! What? 
I didn't say anything. I saw that. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> People on iHeart are going, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you're going to have to watch the end of the video. Uh, what are we, an uh, hour and 13 minutes in, 40-some seconds, and you might get a little hint there. Otherwise, just tune in uh, next week after we get done talking to uh, Devin and Cap. Uh, we will have uh, at least two, maybe three uh, folks from uh, some area facilities uh, on to uh, talk about this uh, big announcement that I'm excited about. Yeah, I, I'm thrilled. I am over the moon about it. I, I cannot wait. And, uh, yeah. That's all I can say because I, otherwise I'll let the cat out of yeah. the bag. I gotta, right. well, well, and it'll be good for oval track racing in in the Ohio area, for sure. <laughs> all right, good. We'll just uh, we'll move on from that. Thanks uh, to our associate producer Dave Kemmer and field correspondents Matt Swander and Doug Doc. Yeah. Yeah. Good people, all of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Two weeks from tonight, we'll have our Oakshade Raceway champions. Steve Kester, Rusty Smith, Ricky Reif, and Eric Carr all uh, already confirmed for that. Uh, so next two weeks, uh, all booked up there. If you want to uh, give us a call, get on the show, Thomas Cole, like you know something's going on there in the comments. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, if you want to <laughs> uh, be on the show, uh, give that number a call right there. So far, it's been super popular. 419-318-3081. That's 419-318-3081. It's the Hammer Down Hotline. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I didn't check it this week, but I don't think we had any messages on there. But if you want to, go ahead. Tell us uh, how crappy we are or how much you like Jerry Punch or whatever. Yeah. Anything. Again, thanks to our sponsors, Ron Miller Race Cars, 734-856-7223 for race cars, parts, safety, equipment, service, everything a racer needs, Big D's Pizza and Clyde. Mention the Hammerdown Race Report, save 10% off Millstream Speedway to be resurrected soon. Call them on Twitter, Facebook, or Millstream Speedway, or uh, right here in the Hammerdown Racing Report. I'm sure we'll have any announcements uh, that may be needed to be made if uh, they have any as soon as that happens. We'll, we'll have that for you. And if you'd like to be a sponsor, make sure to uh, get in touch with me. We'll get you up on our little scroll there. And uh, sponsorship's pretty pretty inexpensive. And it helps pay for this uh, yeah. lovely video streaming service that we're using here for our Facebook Live deals. Uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Oh, yeah. Make sure to uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Hammer Report. Uh, follow us on YouTube. Listen to us on your favorite pod class, blah, 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 blah. podcasting platform, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google. Uh, we prefer that you do it with uh, iHeartRadio because that's uh, and every time I say that, my, my phone wakes up and starts talking to me. I, <laughs> I was talking to Mrs. Google. There, so. Let's get out of here. Before next week's show, get out and vote. And share this show with your friends. Tell them to watch every yeah. Thursday, 7 o'clock. There you go. Or again, on demand, on your favorite podcasting podcasting platform. Exactly. We'll see you next week, 7 o'clock, with another uh, pretty huge show. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm not ready. Night, everybody. Nope, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Now you can. All right. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Go. (laughs) You have been listening to the Hammered Down Racing Report. Listen on demand on iHeartRadio.
Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on.